One, two, ten. Welcome to the Claim the Throne Blodgecast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2014. Is it? It's Cabra. Why? And it's Ash. And you're listening to Cabra and Ash on the Cabra and Ash Show at Claim the Throne FM. Welcome to the Blodgecast. We are Cabra and Ash from Claim of Thrones, and we're back again for another week of the Blodgecast. Half a blog, half a podcast, full Blodgecast. Okay, Neil, 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 one, two, Neil. So, Cabra, how you been this week? I've been real good this week. And um, yeah, pretty keen to have a podcast with you today as uh, just a, the good old fashioned typical Claim the Throne podcast. No interviews like we have been doing every week so far this week. Agreed. Interview number one. Uh, this is Cabba from Claim the Throne. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to ask you, have you been finding the podge the last few weeks? We've had a few interviews. Any highlights? Any lowlights? Mate, I've been having a great time with them. I guess our plan was to do um, Claim of Thrones podcast every second week and interview every other second week. But we've just been smashing out the interviews every week, which is fine by me because we've been speaking to some wicked people. There's been been a quite a few good ones. I think my favourite so far is still the first one with uh, old mate Sam Allen. What about you? The new Al Smith podcast is awesome, man. I really enjoyed one, doing it, and two, listening back. So yeah, a lot of cool tips. Between Sam and Al, I think you get a pretty good idea of how to uh, yeah do some recordings as a business in Perth and um, some helpful approaches to recording. Plenty of stuff to learn. So um, yeah, head back and listen to our back catalogue of interviews this year. There's also been some killer ones um, with Acclaim Throne fan, Amos Polglaze, uh, music video guru Bernard Shaw from Red Empire Media. Um, we've had Rodney Holder from Alchemist who also has a podcast called Music Biz Facts and yeah, all sorts of stuff, lots of good ones to come in the future as well. If you've got anyone you want to hear us to interview, don't hesitate to let us know, info at claimthethrone.com or leave a voice recording by hovering your mouse over the right-hand side of the screen at claimthethrone.net, just like this person has now. Why? Would you rather be a vocalist without a mouth or a drummer with no arms? Enjoy. Well, how do we approach that answer, Ash? That's a, a tough one. To, um, to sink our teeth into. A little bit tough, but he forgot about legs because uh, the old Def Leppard drummer only had one arm and uh-huh. he managed with his uh, the help of his left foot and his right foot. So I'd probably choose that. What about yourself? I guess I'd probably be a singer with no mouth. I could fart into the microphone or I could use my pets as vocalists like Hatebeak, perhaps <laughs> getting a um, my pet bird to do the vocals or um, some crickets and grasshoppers could do the vocals, a cow. Or how, uh, how about the song In the Mist with text-to-speech off the computer? Ah, uh, all the vocals, text-edit-speech. Yeah. That's a great idea. Ah, lonely bird. In the mist. There we go. There you go. Thanks for that, Bernard, for wasting a, a good two minutes of the podcast. That was awesome. <laughs> Cool, good work. Glad, Just kidding. Glad to see you're getting involved as well, Bernard. So you had a lot of suggestions for us, which I've still yet to cut together into oh, a yeah, pod special. To be a part two. Yeah, yeah, man. Tell you what, getting two new jobs and going back to uni is pretty full on. Good job, man. Hard worker you are. Let's get into the old podgeroo. So for those that haven't heard the podcast of Just Me and Ash before, we normally um, grab a topic each uh, DIY music related and um, just chat about both of those, and then we'll um, we'll chuck a few more crazy segments in throughout the place too. All of our previous topics of segments you can find at claimthethrone.net. All sorts of blog articles ranging from you know selling merch for your band, how to start a band, how to record, all sorts of weird stuff. So hop on there, 
learn plenty of things and give us feedback on what we're giving good advice or bad advice. The Australian coast is about to be invaded. It's time for crabs, naked and vulnerable, on a mission. Mmm, crabs. There's nothing better than crabs. Today I was going to chat about all sorts of expenses, money-related, that bands and musicians will encounter in their time. Um, And the reason I think it's interesting to think about or imperative to be aware of is for these reasons three. Um, Firstly, for musicians that are getting into the scene of of being in a band, you need to be aware of what you're up for. There is a lot of outlays and costs and shit involved, so you need to be aware of it. Also, from a fan's point of view, I think it's good um, if you are a music fan to be aware of exactly what the bands do need to spend their money on and why they need to charge, you know, for door entries, sell merch, why, why money is important. Why? Why? I know there's a lot of budding new young promoters out there around Australia and I think they also need to be aware of the sort of costs involved um, with the bands that they're dealing with and why certain <laughs> bands might, you know, ask for, for higher show prices or why they want to take big door payments or or just why. <laughs> and that sort of thing so um what do you reckon of that ash is that a shit topic or is that all right no it's a good topic man i think it's very well thought out and yeah how are you going to approach this sucker this week all right well i've just got a whole list of stuff that um from my experience of what uh needs to be yeah prepared for and what needs to be paid for as a band we're losing it here it's pretty good i'm not wearing a shirt ash is wearing baby blue we're talking over skype it's good fun drinking a few beers here as well it's gone down very nicely all right here we go. I'll mention a couple things and you comment on them at large. Holding a suffer in rot set list, that's awesome. Let's say we're a musician starting out, want to start a band. Step one, buy some gear. So maybe you're a guitarist or a drummer or whatever. You're going to need to buy yourself a guitar. You're going to buy yourself an amp. You need to buy yourself a drum kit, whatever. And that ain't cheap. You're looking at a few grand to get yourself set out straight away. How much have you spent over the years on gear, Ash? Oh, do not ask. But if you were to ask, I'd say I spent... 250 bucks on my first kit, 1600 on my second kit, 4000 on my third kit, and I spent 10000 on the kit that I've had for the last almost 10 years. And Jeepers, in between that, I've bought maybe three or four different sets of pedals and I've probably gone through a full set of cymbals maybe four times. So all up, we're probably looking 20 to 25 grand from age 17 through to 30. Far out, Jiminy Jingos. That's a lot of money. And it's a similar sort of cost for guitarists as well, I guess, you know, upgrading their amps or upgrading guitars or whatever. And then you also have to be aware of the ongoing gear expenses, like, you know, getting strings every few weeks, um, getting drumsticks, getting snare skins, getting guitar picks, getting new guitar leads, all sorts of stuff like that. So there's plenty and plenty to... um, yeah, to have to pay for straight out before you've even got your band happening properly. But then once you do, get yourself some band members. Then you'll also need to practice together. And half the time you can't do that at people's houses. So you need to actually book rehearsal studios. And again, you're looking from anywhere to $50 to $70 every time you jam. And that might be once a week, might be once every two weeks, might be more often. But there you go, another expense straight out. Then once you do write all your songs and start playing some gigs, you might want to start looking at recording which is a massive expense also. So whether you are, you know, switched on enough to be able to do it yourself at home, you still need to buy plenty of gear. If you go out to a recording studio, you're looking at a lot of money to get um, to get started, a good few grand at least. How much have we spent on recording over the years? Many? Fuck, if any. Um, during my time in Claim Throne alone, probably 
oh, I would say six, 10, 12, maybe like 15 grand, including, <laughs> do you reckon? Just on gear or including studio time and stuff? Yeah, a shitload of money just for a handful of releases. Um, and then once you do have that recording done, the, the costs don't stop there. You need to get your CDs printed and pressed. That means you've got to pay someone to do your artwork and, um, you know, put it all in the, the correct format and layout um, for the printers. You then need to pay to get your, your CD printed, however you want to do that. Um, there are a lot of companies around there, but you're looking, you know, at least a good few dollars per CD and, you know, you might get 100 or 500 or 1,000 or whatever. So a lot of money there as well. Um, and then chances are you're going to get some merchandise and shirts printed too, which are even more expensive. So, yeah, the, the costs are adding up big time already. And, um, and that's why, you know, some bands might charge a, a bigger amount to sell their CDs or to sell their T-shirts or perhaps their CD launch has a, an expensive entry fee. You know, that's why. And that, it might seem like they're going to be making a lot of money from that show or from selling heaps of tons of CDs, but chances are they won't even make enough to recover the costs of, yeah, of producing that item slash show. A lot of people forget about that stuff. And these days are a bit different because CDs aren't so prevalent. They're the, not the main source of media for people. That's usually MP3. So the cost mm-hmm. of pressing is massively down. But what's happened is that there's this whole vinyl revolution and a lot of bands pressing the vinyl, guess what? It ain't cheap. It's actually, oh, what, sort of looking four times, five times the cost of pressing CDs? Yep. At least. Yeah, so pretty nuts. Anyway, it's um, even if you record at home for free, just getting the media out there can cost you a shitload of money if you want anything physical. Absolutely. And even if you do decide, well, you know, let's save money by not going physical and just release it online, there's still costs there. You know, you've you might have it on your website, so you need to pay uh, hosting, domain name, registration, all that sort of stuff, someone to design your website and maintain it. Um, there's things that are free, like perhaps SoundCloud or Bandcamp or whatever. Um, but then, you know, if you don't have a label, you might go through CD Baby or Reverb Nation or whatever. There's still costs involved um, to get onto those. There's, you know, you might want to apply to get onto a record label or something. There's postage costs on getting your CDs over to them which ain't cheap either. Um, there's all the time and labour involved in doing all this. And then you're still making a physical press kit. So there's printing costs there and go. shit there. And that's a small run thing. So it might cost you like 10 bucks a unit rather than $3 because you're only getting a very small amount. Totally. So yeah, just things to be aware of before you get to that point as well. Um, Yeah. And just, yeah, for people that aren't in bands as well, just bear in mind that the things are the links they go to. Not that I'm complaining, it's all good and fun. And, you know, it's not like no one loves doing it if they're in bands. Stoked to be part of it, but yeah, just things to be aware of for sure. Um, and then yeah, we did touch on gigs. You might have a, a show for your CD launch or or whatever. But uh, yeah, if you're booking a gig, then you've got um, your venue fees. So most venues might, um, well, in Australia at least, they might charge a, a few dollars per payer goes towards them. They might charge a set amount that you need to pay. They might charge fees um, to sell your merch. You know, they might want to take a percentage or whatever. Um, yeah, I know in like US and, and Europe, it might be a bit different again. Um, yeah, a lot of them don't even give any door takings to the band or, or anything. The, the venue might just pay them a couple hundred bucks or something. So yeah, there's, there's not always a whole lot of cash in door entries either. Um, but if you are smart about it, I mean, a show in Perth, you might have to pay the venue a few dollars per head. So you might charge, you know, 10 to $15 for a local show. And then you split that among all of the bands paying that, playing that night. And then each band might get a, a couple of dollars per head or, 
however you want to work it out. But yeah, there are still those fees involved. Um, so not all of the door takings and not all of the bar money and you know not all of that goes to the bands. It's half the time actual expenses involved. Um, so yeah, they need to make their money back by you know selling merch or you know just hoping to get some fans and selling some stuff on their web store or, or however they might want to do it. Um, and then you know gigs outside of your hometown. That's when you start going touring. And that's when the expenses fully bulk up as well. It's also, you know, the potential for the most amount of your income. If you do manage to do it well and if you can pull big crowds and that sort of thing, then that's awesome. But most of the time, if you're a young band starting out, touring is freaking expensive. Um, But you do it because you love it and you do it because... It's an investment, you know, you might be able to get some more fans around the country or around around the world um, that will buy your next CD or, or whatever. So, it, you know, it's of course still worth the money, but most of the time, yeah, young local upcoming bands are not making money when they go touring. They're paying a lot of money and I think that's something that young promoters need to be aware of um, when offering gigs to bands in other states and things, you know. You've got um, you've got flight costs, you've got, you know, maybe vans or taxis, you've got to get accommodation, you've got to be eating and drinking, airport trolleys, oversized baggage and excess baggage costs, just, the, yeah, the costs get blown out of the water. Yeah, if you, um, if you listen to our um, tour wrap-up podcast or even our earlier one, which was the Welcome to 2014, where we talked about our upcoming tour, yeah, we, we really detail, uh, well, we really go through a lot of the things that, that equal costs straight out. So, yeah, touring is always a huge financial risk, I would say, for any band. And, yeah, just f- the first thing, flights alone, is just crazy. So, yeah, you're in deep water. And I find it, yeah, a lot of people these days they might, you know, offer a band from another state or, or from Perth specifically. I guess we're a bit different because we're so far away from everyone. But you know, someone on the east coast might message a band from the west coast saying, "Do you want to come over here for a show? We can pay you. You know, if you can headline, and we'll pay you five hundred dollars. It's going to be really good." Like, well, five hundred dollars for a gig sounds pretty nice, but in reality, we got to spend you know two and a half grand on flights to get over there and accommodation and, and whatever. You can do it on a budget, but it's still rarely going to make your money back so you really need to plan out your touring properly you want to be doing a a good amount of shows to make it worth your while you want to really get good deals in in regards to taking a a cut of the door uh, payments and and things like that and you know it's not that you want to make money but you just want to make it work for your band and you want to get as close to breaking even or you know making it worthwhile monetary wise as well Um, and that doesn't mean making heaps it just means you know not having to have all of the band members fork out of their own pockets to go over there and and I guess it's another thing as well, if you, you know, saving your money in your band account over the years and, you know, if you all decide, you know, all the money we have is going to go towards touring, that's awesome. Then it might get to the point where you've saved up a few thousand dollars and you're more than happy to be spending it on going on a tour because, you know, that's what everyone is in the band for. They want to be doing that. So it's a good use of the money. But just something to bear in mind as well that bands often are touring and paying to do so. And you can look at it like... Um if you were offered a job an hour from your home and it's going to cost you a certain amount of fuel a day and that's 20% of your daily wage, then maybe it's worthwhile earning 10% less and not spending that kind of fuel or something like that. There you go, yeah. Good comparison for sure. Um, and yeah, another expense in regards to playing shows is also sound and lighting. You might need to pay a sound guy, which is another 50 bucks and get a lighting guy another 50 bucks and whatever. I mean, a lot of venues do have in-house guys, which is really cool. So something to look at um, when you are booking venues, just to see if they do provide that sort of thing. But sometimes they don't, so it's another thing to add to the list. Um, you also want to promote your shows and tours. That means you know, these days, I guess, a lot of it's on you know internet advertising. So whether that's on Facebook or on um, webzines where you put things up and whatever, but that might cost you a few hundred bucks for all of that. 
then you might want to go um, your physical promotion as well, printing out posters, printing out flyers. That's another few hundred bucks plus the time and effort of you know going around the cities to put them up. Perhaps sending your posters to people in other cities to put up for you. That's postage costs, which are just out of control. And however else you want to promote yourself, there's always costs involved in that too. And postage is not a good one. I mean, even having a web store, web store set up, and it's awesome. You know, if people are going in there and buying your CDs and buying your shirts, and you're like, wicked. Or, you know, you want to sell them for as cheap as possible on there. You don't want people you know, having to pay out of their assholes to buy your stuff. So, you know, maybe you charge $10 for a shirt, free postage, Awesome. Then you get down to the post office and it costs you $12 to send it. You're like, crap. So that sale actually cost us money. So that's why when you go to bands, web stores to buy stuff, postage costs are just generally pretty big because, you know, it's just not fair. If they're going to all the effort of, you know, building their band, spending the money on getting the merch, going to the effort of going to the post office, paying the exorbitant fees, they at least, you know, want to make it worth their while to make it at least a few bucks. You know, it's one of the biggest forms of income as well, selling merch. So it doesn't make sense to to not be profiting on that at all. And that's about the list. I'm not sure if I've forgotten anything. I know some bands do have, you know, managers, booking agents, publicists and that sort of thing. I'd like to think young do-it-yourself bands are, are not going down that avenue because, well, I don't know, I find you know, some of the most rewarding parts of being in a young band is being able to do that sort of thing yourself. Um, and, I, yeah, I'd like to think you're probably wasting your money if you're using that sort of thing unless you're seeing some really good results. And, yeah, I, I wouldn't go there and you know until you're ready to hit the world on a higher scale. Yeah, and also um, if you were looking at that kind of thing, maybe it's for a targeted campaign. Like maybe you wouldn't want to be employing a full-time publicist. Let's say you had a tour coming up or your CD launch and you needed some help with perhaps um, increasing your marketing production, that sort of thing. Then, then yeah, you might employ some sort of a promotions guru or something like that. Um, maybe a person from your local metal scene, someone who runs local labels, something like that, who has a few connections in the scene and can, yeah, get you on radio interviews and just help you with that sort of stuff for a once-off fee rather than um, these kind of guys out there at the moment, without mentioning any names, who are getting bands to sign up for 24-hour access to their bloody, um, you know, pr- promotions network and all this stuff, but for a regular fee that's very costly, it's just... Yeah, they're, you know, they're like, oh, we'll look after all your promotions and booking and, you know, um, shop your band to labels and things for the next 12 months, sign up for 12 months, you'll be paying $100 a week for this service. Ridiculous. What what young bands can afford $100 a week? What you know? what locally established bands can afford 100 bucks a week, you know? It's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. And especially if, you know, they're not going to guarantee that they're actually going to do anything for you. They'll say, oh, we'll try, we'll shop you around, we'll try and promote you a bit. Mm. But, I mean, for that sort of money, you want to you know that, you will be signed, you will be given X amount of international touring opportunities, you know, that will promote every one of your shows, that will do this, that will do this. But yeah, a lot of them don't really even give you an idea. They're just winging it. So yeah. just be really careful and, and make sure you ask the right questions and think, just think twice, you know, is it things that you could do as a band yourselves better and enjoy it? And then when you do manage to get a label signing or a tour, then it's going to be a lot, you know, a lot more rewarding because you've really worked harder for it and not just forked money right out of your pocket and given it to some some clown who has taken advantage of your um your green bands out there i guess and the the traditional way that that sort of stuff works is usually someone sets up a business like that and they're putting their faith in you so how it works is they would get a percentage of what you bring in rather than you paying for money up front because that way it makes them work harder for you 
and the more money you make, the more money they make. Yeah, you don't exactly. certainly don't want to be playing uh, paying a flat fee to someone who's just going to say that you're signed to them, put you on their .com website, and post your links from Facebook from their own Facebook. It's just that's just shit you can do yourself. Absolutely. And you know, there's there's so many people out there that are willing to help young metal bands for free anyway. If you you know just keep networking, you'll meet some really amazing people out there that are always willing to help and you know yeah you certainly don't need to pay for for everything so um yeah just just be wary of, of those sorts of deals um the only other thing i forgot which um is another expense occasionally a lot of bands like to film music videos and um, we did speak to bernard shaw the other week about filming band videos and yeah he did mention you're often looking at another couple of grand at least depending on the scale of your um, music video so a lot of the time bands might be saving up to do projects like that so you know, if they're making a few hundred bucks from each gig, that's awesome. And it might take them two years to save up enough for a video clip. And then there's all of their savings gone. Start again for the next project. Um, very interesting. And Anyway, that... Yeah. yeah. And there, with everything that Cab has mentioned, there are definitely DIY approaches to all of these things. So, I mean, if you look at an old tool video, obviously it's a high budget animation, but you can do that stuff in your house if on a budget, if you um, do a bit of research. And also with the quality of cameras these days, as Bernard was saying, you can you could probably invest and just as long as you're clever about things and as long as you, um, you know, respect the gear and don't try and get more out of it than what it can um, handle it's the same as do-it-yourself recording you can you can produce stuff that's worthwhile that won't cost you a few thousand dollars and you can save those costs for a later date and a lot of bands are doing lyric videos and stuff these days too so they're they're way easier to and, and cost you nothing to do so yeah just look into that stuff for sure and a lot of the time you'll find that perhaps every member of your band has their own certain specialties so you should really take advantage of that and allocate band jobs to each person you know to, to do it for free and to increase each other's skills and you know decrease the workload from everyone else so you might have someone who's you know really into recording they can do all your recordings you've got someone who's big into artwork they can do your posters and cd designs etc so anyway yeah good times being in bands and I was just going to mention as well, so the only real ways that bands can make income is then from the gigs, from merch and selling CDs, which all of those things we've said, you know, they can also cost you money. So just bear that in mind. Um, but they're often the, the biggest ways to make your money back, gigs and merch. Um, but then you can also start looking at royalties, grants and funding. Royalties, I think I got a massive total of $17 last payment. Me too. And then, then we've got grants and funding, which perhaps we'll have a podcast separately on that one day. Um, but yeah, that's essentially when you might have a project such as a tour or a CD and um, your state or federal government might offer certain funding if you submit an awesome application to explain to them why your project is worthwhile and how it's going to benefit the community at large. And they might be able to help you out to fund your project. So we, we can talk about that another time for shiz. Anyway, that's Sedge over. It's no more time for crabs. Cool. Awesome. Climbing the Thorn, news and gauge. News and gidge. Uh, latest news and gidge. We have been announced as, uh, yeah, on the lineup for this year's Hamasonic Metal Festival in Jakarta, Indonesia, which we're freaking keen about. First time ever we will have been over to Indonesia, so very keen to get over there. It is a huge lineup this year. Um, yeah, with bands such as Morbid Angel, Creator, Origin, Flesh God Apocalypse, Jessad, and all sorts of awesome bands, as well as a bunch of Aussie ones. You would have heard of King Parrot, <laughs> as well as, yeah, ourselves, Milligan Monster, Disentomb. Um, and yeah, 
tons of wicked bands. Check it out. If you're from Australia, it's a cheap trip. Go for a weekend. It'd be, you know, twenty to 30,000 people out on the field loving life and loving metal. So definitely worthwhile going. If you are over in Asia, head down and we will we'll drink all your cheap beer and leer at your sexy women. Sunday, April 27th. You can get tickets online now. Our next gig is also a good one, which is at... Amplify by in Perth on the 18th of May, and that is with Flesh God Apocalypse and Septic Flesh, and of course, yours truly, Claim the Throne. Also, um, you can get tickets for that show, Flesh God Apocalypse, Septic Flesh, and Climbing the Thorn at Amplify Bar in Perth. You can get tickets cheap from us. Save yourself some money. Head to claimthethrone.com. Uh, click on the merch tab, and it will take you to somewhere where you can buy cheap tickets. We'll send them out to you straight away. Be crazy not to come to that show for sure. And our other show coming up is in Adelaide for the New Dead Metal Festival, uh, also with King Parrot Lord, Vanishing Point, Claim the Throne, Troth Corroded, Seban Kira, and heaps more. That is May 31st, I believe. Um, so grab tickets now online as well. You can find all these links from facebook.com slash claim the throne. We're talking about it all the time. So like us on there and find all these awesome links. Attention Perth. Stormride Heavy Metal Festival is coming in your ear pussies and all over your faces on Saturday, May 24 at the Civic Hotel in Inglewood. Featuring some of Australia's leading power and thrash model bands, including five of state bands, Black Majesty, Darker Half, Mason, Damnation's Day in Gorefield and five Perth best heavy metal bands Silent Night and Force Psychonaut Cold Fate and Death Dependent Tickets are only $25 and available now from Mosh Dicks Buy a pre-sale and have the chance to win some amazing prizes For more information visit facebook.com forward slash Stormrider Festival See you there So go check out Stormrider Festival and check out some awesome bands including our favourites Darker Half Second half of the budge Sedge 2 Wait, wait, wait. His name is Ass Large? Ash Large. Oh, okay, cool. I just <laughs> need a clarification. Okay, Ash Large. <laughs> so this week, building upon what Cab has been saying about band costs and band spending money, there's been a bit of talk going around recently of bands doing what I guess we're going to call buy-ons on international tours. Um, Ooh, good topic, Large. Interesting topic. So basically the idea behind this whole buy-on thing, and we're not actually sure what to call it, buy-on or pay-to-play. Let's That's- chat about it and we'll, um, we'll decide for ourselves what it should be called basically you get offered a tour as a let's say some grassroots band from australia to go to singapore japan some pacific or asian country or even the states or the uk they say okay we've offered you this opening slot on the tour but in order to get on you're going to have to pay us so many thousand dollars just for the privilege of getting on the bill is that what we'll be calling buy-ons cabba i've always referred to them as buy-ons mm-hmm. um, but the way you've just explained it it does sound like a pay-to-play scenario because you're essentially paying to play on that bill. A lot of the times they're not covering anything. So you've still got to pay for your flights to get there. You've got to pay for your accommodation, your transport, perhaps your own sound guy, perhaps merch fees, all things to be aware of. So I I don't know whether we refer to that as a buy-on or not. I know that there are options sometimes you might buy on and pay a few thousand dollars to get onto a tour, but they do provide you with a lot of things. They say, pay us this amount of money and we will provide you a tour bus, we'll provide you, well, accommodation is often on the tour bus, but if not, maybe accommodation. We'll provide you um, roadies and, and sound techs and you may also get a cut of the door, in which case you're not paying to play, you're paying for all of the outlay and expenses of that tour 
plus if the tour does well, you may get money. So I think there is a difference. In the past, I've just referred to them both as buy-ons, but I don't know what's right and what's not. What do you reckon? As soon as you say buy-on, it sounds like you're literally paying to get on a tour. With this, let's say, European tour saying, hey, pay $5,000 for your places on the bus, that basically just seems to me like a promoter doing their job in ensuring that a band is going to have transport, a band's going to have accommodation, and that nothing on that tour will go wrong because as long as the band makes bus call, they're going to get to the next show, et cetera, et cetera. And especially if they're going to pay you on top of that if they were to leave you on your own to organize all this accommodation and travel in another country then you'd be looking to ask for a much higher fee but then that'll go straight down the tube anyway because um yeah you'd have to pay for those costs yourself for sure and yeah so i mean all those different scenarios you've just mentioned i I still think they are quite different i mean if it's something the bands have booked themselves you've you've built a, a lineup yourselves and you've you know the bands talking amongst themselves to make agreements on you know what costs will be shared and what what revenue will be shared i would refer to maybe as a self-managed tour then you've got your buy-ons and in in the two senses that we've discussed so one way is that you're buying onto the tour you're giving your money to uh, the tour manager who in turn is going to do their job do all of the work for you and ensure that everything that you need is covered Um, and then you may also get show payments as well then the second part of that buy-in scenario is that you're buying onto a tour in that you can play every show of the tour or sometimes it happens on festivals as well you might see young unestablished bands scoring opening slots on festivals a lot of the time they're buying onto that that show or that tour yeah and that the money they're paying is for the opportunity to be on there and they then still have all their costs on top the the, the promoter or the organizer is not looking after them in regards to um, you know paying for a comp paying for buses paying for food paying for whatever so I think those those two different types and it's just yeah knowing whether we do refer to that that latest one is pay to play or not yeah and I suppose at the end of the day it doesn't really matter it's just when you get an offer or something like that that you do go through with a fine tooth comb and see what you are paying for because imagine if you said yep you can do this tour um, it's going to cost you let's say a couple of grand you pay the two thousand dollars and then you get over there and you've got no bus you've got no van you've got no accommodation or anything like that or after you pay that fee they tell you you need to organize that for yourself so the main thing is just to check out these offers and see what they are because if you're paying a manager to organize accommodation and um, and the money you pay them also goes towards the cost of that, then that sort of seems like a one-off payment for someone to manage your band as opposed to self-managing in that scenario, um, whereas the other one is clearly just a pay-to-play. And I remember you know, let's say 10 years ago, there was a couple of bands from Perth who played in um, LA at like the Viper Room and stuff. And they paid, I think, 800 US dollars to get on that bill for one show at the Viper Room. And the reason is because it's such a popular venue that every week a local metal show back then was like Fear Factory one week, Deftones the week after, Slipknot the week after that. And it's like they're getting so many people through the door there that it's like an instant hit of a new fan base if you do well at that show so yeah I think this whole pay to play thing it does seem very unethical and it's a very controversial subject at the moment in the Aussie metal scene but it's not as we see from the Viper Room thing if you can capitalize on things like that and the show payment that you are paying just to for the privilege uh, can actually be used in your favor for sure and I mean we're not necessarily saying it's a good thing or a bad thing it's always going to be case by case basis and and on the scenario of what the offer is uh, what position your band are in um, you know whether it's going to be worth your while you know spending that extra money to get your name out there to a certain area perhaps you've um you've just had a new CD out and you're trying to you know 
distribute it to as many areas as you can. Maybe you get an offer that you have to pay a lot of money to go somewhere to play a festival, but maybe it's a good investment because you're going to get yourself hundreds of more fans and you're going to be able to sell a bunch of CDs over in the future and then maybe you're going to be able to get onto more shows with better deals. So I can understand bands wanting to do it and, you know, some bands might, you know, say, oh, each band member can chip in a thousand dollars each and then we'll be able to go on this awesome tour to a place we've never been before, sort of like a holiday, but with the benefits of playing a gig. I can totally appreciate that, but you do also need to be really careful because this sort of thing is, is setting a precedent for other Aussie bands. You know, you get your young, unestablished bands that have just started going on all these tours just because they got money. Then you've got these bands that have been around for years and working their butts off and, you know, with with a ton of integrity and then, you know, they, they don't get to go on these tours because they're not willing to fork out this money because they don't think it's fair to be paying that. You know, and then these young bands look like they're really, you know, dominating the world by going on these tours, but it's not always as it seems. Um, so just things that you need to be aware of when you do get offers or if you are seeking deals or whatever. Yeah, I think always run it by by friends that you might have in the scene that, that may know more than what you do um, and, and they might be able to give you your their opinion um, or they might offer, you know, things that, ideas for questions to ask the person that's offering it to you you know does it include this does it include this does it include this and then they may also say you know you should be able to negotiate for a a bit of a better price or they shouldn't be including you know a com in that price or whatever and then you can take it from there negotiate a bit make a deal better for yourself better for your band and better for the scene in general yeah and this sort of thing's been around for donkey's years like i mean if you were to sign you know back in the heyday of of major labels and stuff you were to sign with a major label in um the 90s or something as a relatively unknown band you'd probably get a pretty crap deal the label would be taking a larger cut of your income than they would for an established band like you know metallica or tool or something who have awesome label deals um and you never know part of the things that they might the services that they might provide for you would be actually paying to get you on these tours and you don't know because those costs are coming out the back end before you're seeing any profits so they don't mm-hmm. they didn't never really had to tell bands what they were doing um and, and where the money was going and stuff these days it's just a, a little bit of the changing of the times where it's the bands um themselves not labels or management that are getting these offers through um and so bands are saying well you know well we want to we want to take this opportunity um, or no way is my band paying just to play a show. Yeah, for sure. And I guess the, the other thing I was going to touch on with this was um, what I originally thought the term pay to play meant because I know there's every now and again these shows pop up in Perth where, you know, there might be one to, or show organiser who approaches all of these young bands and says, you know, we've got this awesome show coming up. We're going to have 20 bands at this great venue. It's going to be huge. So we'd love to have you on board. But in order for your payment, you need to be able to sell X amount of tickets. And not only do you need to sell them, you need to buy them off the promoter. So you're literally paying to play in that you're paying this this show organiser before the show even happens in order to pay for your 20 tickets or 50 tickets and then to make your money back and then perhaps even make a bit more than breaking even. You need to sell every one of those tickets, and if you don't, tough luck, you're out of pocket. And to me, that seems like more of an unethical thing again. And then, yeah, you're literally paying to 
to play on on some show that might not be as big. I mean, if all of the bands are responsible for selling the tickets, that to me says that there's probably not going to be a whole lot of promotion for it. You're not going to have the right people in the crowd. It, it, you know, it's just not going to be the best vibe ever. But yeah, these these show organisers really talk them up to make it sound like they're going to be this massive show and, and they only approach certain bands that won't be aware of how the scene works. So they might, you know, approach these really brand spanking new young bands who are just excited to get on a show, which is great. Like, you know, of course, young bands want to be playing shows. And, you know, if, if you're in the position to get on these shows and you just want to play anywhere and you don't care what the deal is and don't care how many people there are, you just want to play for the love of it, but then cool, I understand that. But just be wary of, of how it does affect the scene, how it sets precedence, how it's, you know, you, the, these show organisers are, are profiting out of this by selling these tickets to young bands. Um, yeah, I guess that's just another scenario to touch on. Yeah, which is basically just a safety blanket for them. If they can get a whole bunch of money up front from the band, that's theirs forever, you know. And so if the shows don't do so well, they've already sort of at least covered some of their expenses, if yeah, not all of no them. difference to them. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and so that makes them less inclined to spend that money on promo because they're like, okay, well, if the, if the tour does well and I haven't spent money on promo, I get more money. So all they're doing is, you know, essentially booking a date and a venue and then writing a big blown out exaggerated email and sending it to the 20 most inexperienced and green bands that they can find then sell the tickets to these bands and then that's them done they don't have to do anything else they've just made money and now it's up to the bands to just enjoy the day and use the venue and i'm sure there's more work that maybe goes on you know they got to write you know time sheets and allocate slots and get sound guys and whatever but you know that's just part of doing a show you may as well just put on your own show and that's the thing that's where this is all leading to i guess it just proves the point i mean if you are that desperate to play a gig in your hometown just book a venue it's as simple as going to their website finding their email address and emailing them saying we're a new band really keen on playing a gig we've got this lineup already for this for a show we're happy to play any date after june or whatever do you have any dates free we'll work really hard with promotion yeah we'll advertise it a lot we'll make sure it's going to be a good lineup and a good night would really appreciate the opportunity or whatever and a, a lot of venues will book you based on that if not, there are people out in your scene that can book gigs, local tour promoters that don't even want money out of it. All you need to do is then, yeah, flick them an email, give them a call, meet them up at a gig and say, man, we're so keen to play. Can you help us book a venue? Or can you put us on a lineup that you might have coming up? You know, we're happy to open shows if, if you want us on there. And, you know, you don't have to pay to do that. Um, there are some promoters out there that do bring international bands and then get the openers whoever the local support is, to sell tickets for them. Some of them will still offer you a set show payment. They might say, we'll pay you 100 bucks. Plus, we've got all these tickets. If you can sell them for a certain amount, um, then you can keep a certain percentage of each ticket that you sell. That's cool. It's a bit weird, but it does give you the opportunity to earn a bit extra. Um, mm. But then occasionally it may come up where, you know, we can get you on this awesome support slot. You won't get paid, um, but if you can sell some tickets, maybe you can keep a percentage. Yeah, I don't know. So do you still accept those gigs where you won't get a payment, but you do get to play with a support slot with one of your favorite bands? Yeah. So that, that's the whole thing about, about being in a band or doing anything that's artistic and creative that you're trying to build. When you do promo, you are spending money at your own risk to try and get new fans, new followers, um, or to sell merchandise or tickets or, or whatever it might be. And, you know, it gets so nitty gritty because then your whole integrity gets wrapped up in it and you know, your personal feelings about how an industry should be, but you're in an industry, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you've just got to figure out what's best for you and for your band and for your product. Um, a major thing that that I'd like to sort of say is that I've seen some very grassroots bands pay money. Well, they haven't 
outwardly said that they've paid money, but we know that they've paid money to get on certain shows. And you think they're going over to another country, they're paying a handful of shows, but what have they got? They've got what, I don't know, a a two-track single, a four-track EP, not even a professionally recorded album. They don't have any promotional devices like a film clip or something. And if they do, it's like using the music that wasn't professionally recorded and they're not capitalizing on all this money that they're spending. So if you were going to do it, I'd, I'd say, man, you don't want to be that grassroots. You want to have played a whole bunch of gigs to make sure you're really tight. You, you want to try and get some local support to offset the cost of, of paying to play. You want a CD that you can take and merchandise that you can sell that's professional that people will want to buy and want to check out and other online promotional devices and things so people will you'll convert them with your live show in order to get their interest and then you can convert that into sales and into lifelong fans by having a good product at the end of the day well said Largy. yes i guess you know that just illustrates that you know it it really is a case-by-case situation i I mean i'm on the fence about it because it really depends on the scenario on the offer on your position as a band and i guess on your scene as well you just want to be careful you know like it's all well and good if you've got money to go and do that, but just be aware that not every other band does and, and other bands aren't going to get those opportunities if they can't pay for it, which is not fair. But at the same time, you know, if, you've, if you're if you as a band that's been around for a few years, you've established yourself, yourselves, um, you've got a couple of products, you've saved up that money and then you want to spend it on getting on a tour, then yeah, probably pretty awesome as long as you're getting offered a good deal, I guess. And you know, if, if it's in line with your band's goals and, and that sort of thing. Mm. Just don't sell yourself short. Totally. No, you're worth more than that. So, um, you know, and maybe we sound like, you know, money, 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 but I think it's interesting that, you know, at least we've covered, you know, we mentioned all the expenses that bands do have. So it's not about profiting. It's not about money. Obviously you're in it for the love of it. And, you know, any chance to, you know, play with some big name bands is awesome. You know, you dream about that as a kid. It doesn't matter if you have to pay, like you get to play with your idols and whatever, and you should be grateful for that. And, you know, which we obviously definitely are, but you also need to just be aware of yourself, your band and, and your scene. Yeah, and, um, and your livelihood. Like, you know, everyone's probably got a missus or kids or a dog or a job that they can't get time off um, for tours and stuff. Like you're putting a hell of a lot on the line to go on tours and do this sort of stuff in the first place. Even just jamming every week. If you jam regularly once or twice a week or, um, you know, and go to shows and networking and then playing shows every other week, it's like... It's such a huge life commitment to do that sort of stuff. So when you start forking out money on top of that and all the inherent costs involved in being a musician and being in a band, even the fuel costs every week for doing this sort of stuff, it's just, you know, it is such a for the love of it thing. So yeah, you really don't want at the end of the day to go forking out fucking five grand on top of all this other shit, quitting your job. Yeah, it's just, you know, there's more to it than just playing the show of your dreams, you know. And and at the same time, if you can afford to do that, great. But just, yeah, be so careful because all the, the problems in history with bands, you know, they break up for two reasons. One, drugs and alcohol. Two, money. So with royalties and all that. Um, you know, songwriting credits and all that shit. It's there's just so much on the line. So money is a big thing, and just make sure you got it before you spend it, and be wise totally. about what you spend it on. And yeah, so obviously it is a very controversial topic. So we'd love to get your opinion. If you disagree with us, let us know. If you agree, let us know as well. We'll definitely have an article up soon at www.claimthethrone.net. Um, along with all our other articles there. And, of course, you can record a message at that very website as well. Just scroll over to the right side of the screen, leave your voice, and we'll play it on the show. Um, And, yeah, you can get in touch with us, of course, all around the net and discuss with us any of the topics we've had on the show.
Yeah, and I hope we did sound very impartial there. It's a, it is a very new thing that's popping up these days um, on the local Australian metal scene, and it's something that we'd always heard about people doing. Um, but yeah, it's only now that that it's really impacting and affecting. Uh, the Australian metal scene on a local level as a whole. So yeah, it's definitely an interesting one and definitely something that none of us have really made up our minds on yet. That being said, it also illustrates that the opportunities are abundant at the moment. So get your band in a good position and make the most of your opportunities, but make sure they're you know in line with your goals and it's going to be the best for your band and the scene. So yeah, keep working hard, suckers. Claim the Throne, album, album of the Week. What is your album of the week, Cabba? My album of the year so far is Primal Frost, Prosperous Visions. Brand new spanking young band out of uh, Toronto, Canada. I think Toronto. Anyway, somewhere in Canada for sure. And they're definitely on the um, the Winter Sun type vein. So one man project. But yeah, he has got a full band cranking now. And he's only young, very talented dude. And the album is absolutely awesome. So fans of, you know, Winter Sun, Kalmar, Suodakra, Insafirim, uh, that sort of thing, make sure you check out Primal Frost because this debut album is absolutely off the chain. And when I listen to it, I, I think back. To us, like on our first album, only The Brave Return, which is an absolute heaping pile of dog turd in compared to something like this. Um, so I can only imagine where these guys are going to be in, in, you know, a couple more albums down the track. But worth checking out, man. Some of the best guitaring I've, I've heard in a long time, um, melodic-wise, as well as, yeah, wicked drumming, real fast, energetic, catchy. Yeah, some, you know, mostly raspy vocals, some clean vocals, uh, lots of keys and symphonic stuff going on. So 10 out of 10 would listen to a lot and have... Also, I got this new Bluetooth speaker the other day, which I'm really enjoying. For your car? No, well, you could use it in your car, but just like one of those little... um, No, it's just like a tiny little speaker that you can... Just take around anywhere and just connect it with your um your mobile phone or your laptop or whatever. Sweet. Bluetooth device. And um, so if you yeah, get albums on your phone and take this thing around everywhere, it's making me listen to a lot more music and podges. How much did that fun. cost? It's about 200 bucks. Had some JB Hi-Fi vouchers to use up. Yeah, okay. So went wow, there and got that. But yeah, it's wicked. What's on your player? I have been listening to music this week, but more on a casual sort of... Uh, shuffle through basis this week nothing in particular um so this week my album of the week is actually a podcast of the week (laughs) i do have a bunch of podcasts that i regularly listen to and this week i caught up on one that i've been neglecting for a while and that is the home recording show like it's really cool because those guys started off and you can tell they're very green not only at podcasting but at recording and as they've gone through the years and yeah they're up to like you know over the 200s you can tell they've really started to turn profits from it the podcasts are starting to become less and less frequent because they're getting so much work these days yeah their advice is getting more and more on point so it's something very interesting to listen to from scratch if you are a DIY home recordist because your abilities can progress as theirs do as well so they introduce topics very early on, come back to them in later episodes, and they're more in-depth than the previous time. The last couple of episodes of them have been Q&A episodes, and yeah, man, just something interesting to listen to while you're on the go. Just keep your interest and keep you wanting to do more with music. Sweet as, sounds awesome. Munchon Mancheros. No walkers. We will um yeah be back again soon. I'm pretty happy we did one of these podges after all the interviews. It's been refreshing, and mm-hmm. it is episode 18 this time. So that means next week we're going to smash out another interview. At this stage, hoping to have a very good tour promoter. So if you've got any questions um you'd like us to touch on with a top Australian tour metal tour promoter, hit us up. 
at info at claimthethrone.com or on claimthethrone.net. We've gone over it. You know how to get in touch with us. And after that, it will be episode 20, which causes for celebration. Can't believe we've got that far, but we'll have an ultimate Claim the Throne podge and might even be able to scrounge up an old member from the beginning of Claim the Throne and, and really talk about um, all things that have happened from the very beginning. So again, if you've got questions or anything you're curious about in regards to the band, hit us up and we'll definitely chat about it. I can't wait for that. It's going to be awesome. The next interview is going to be killer. And yeah, if we get our way for episode 20, that is going to be a real cool episode and I'm looking forward to it. Totally. So Large, how do people get in touch with us? You can find us on our website, www.claimthethrone.com. That's our official website with links to our merch page at Big Cartel. Check out this podcast and all the blog articles that we write too. That is www.claimthethrone.net. Our email is info at claimthethrone.com. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com. At frankenbock.com. At facebook.com forward slash claimthethrone. At Twitter, our handles are at ctt underscore a at Mr. Cabba at Ash Throne and also head over to iTunes subscribe to the podcast leave a review if you can and give us a sweet rating that stuff really helps us get to the top of your iTunes playlist also any other Stitcher or podcast app for Androids that sort of thing check it out just search Claim the Throne or search the word Blodgecast we're also on every other sort of social media going around as well so um, yeah we use Instagram quite a lot lots of crazy photos on there so um, just search Claim the Throne you'll find us yeah Tumblr Google Plus, YouTube, all that shit. We're, all, we're everywhere. And also, if you are into your hashtags and stuff, always remember to hashtag Claim the Throne or hashtag DIY Musician because all of our stuff, well, most of it is listed under there. Good stuff. All right. Well, um, thanks again for listening. It's been fun. And um, yeah, we hope to get some feedback from you guys. Keep working hard at your band and get out to lots of local gigs for sure. And we are going to finish this episode, as always, with a song and being that it's just me and Ash in here today let's play a Claim the Throne song and it has been quite a long episode do we want to whack out something short and dumb? We sure do and since it was mentioned earlier in the episode let's have it it is called In the Mist enjoy the next 15 seconds and we'll see you next week Lonely bird In the mist What once was a dire world is now sorely missed Although that the wind is changing All that life will never breed again